We must be able to discern the work of the Spirit from that of the flesh. Genesis chapter 7 verses 1 to 24 Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So Noah, his sons, his wife and his son's wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds and of everything that creeps on the earth, two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In the sixth hundred year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was on the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons Shem, Ham and Japheth and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark, they and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now the flood was on the earth forty days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all in whose nostril was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive, and the waters prevailed on the earth one hundred and fifty days. 
Through Noah's walk of faith shown in today's scripture passage, we need to examine here how we should lead our lives. Noah had built the ark for 100 years and the great flood came on the year when Noah completed the ark. Seven days before the coming of the flood, according to God's word, Noah called into the ark his family and every species of animals and of the birds in the sky. Of course, it was God who had compelled them to come into the ark, but Noah had made all the preparations by trusting in the word of God. To put it simply, Noah had carried out the work of the Spirit. Likewise, while living on this earth, we must also live for the Lord and we must also carry out the work of the Spirit. We must preach to everyone the gospel proclaiming that God has blotted out all the sins of every soul and we must enable all to receive the remission of their sins. None other than this is the very work of the Spirit. We must clearly discern the work of the Spirit from that of the flesh. We must clearly separate the work of the Spirit from that of the flesh, or otherwise our souls may go astray. It is written, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 to 6. Spiritual work is never compatible with the work of the flesh. However, because we still retain our flesh, we do both the work of the flesh and the work of the spirit, even though we have been born again. It's not the case that we do just one type of work. Nevertheless, before God, we the born again must seek after only one work. Once you and I have been saved, we must infallibly carry out the work of the Spirit. As it is written in the above scripture passage, those who desire to live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who yearn to live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Although we have both the flesh and the spirit, we must be devoted only to the work of the spirit. What kind of work must we carry out? We must carry out the work of the spirit. This is serving God. What then is the work of the spirit? It is to save souls by preaching the gospel of the water and the spirit. The Lord Jesus said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. John chapter 4 verse 24. The work of the spirit is none other than preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ who has blotted out all the sins of mankind. When we carry out the work of saving people's souls by preaching the gospel of the water and the spirit to them, God's blessings will also follow. Only those who have been born again by believing in the gospel of the water and the spirit can set their minds on the work of the spirit, discern it from the work of the flesh and carry it out. That's why God said that whatever animal that has divided hooves, that is, cloven hooves, are clean animals. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 3. 
Just as clean animals have cloven hooves, we the born again must clearly separate the work of the spirit from that of the flesh and carry out this spiritual work. Unless the righteous clearly separate what is spiritual from what is fleshly, they can do neither the work of the spirit nor the work of the flesh. Even though it's possible for you and I to sometimes do the work of the flesh and the work of the spirit on other times, we must still discern the work of the spirit from the work of the flesh clearly and conscientiously. To live for the gospel that has saved us is God's work and the work of the Spirit. It's when we think about how we have been saved that we can carry out the work of the Spirit. Remember that it is the work of the Spirit to save souls. Engrave in your hearts one more time that it is the work of the Spirit to preach the gospel of the water and the Spirit to people and thereby enable their souls to receive the remission of their sins. For the born again, righteous believers in the gospel of the water and the Spirit to carry out the work of the Spirit, they must know exactly what the spiritual work is and what the carnal work is. The righteous that have been born again through the gospel of the water and the spirit have both the spirit and the flesh. Unlike the unbelievers who have only the flesh, the born again believers have the Holy Spirit in their hearts. So those who have been born again through the gospel of the water and the spirit carry out both the work of the spirit and the work of the flesh as well. This is precisely why the righteous must discern exactly what the work of the Spirit is and what the work of the flesh is, and seek after the work of the Spirit. If any righteous person does not know what the work of the Spirit is, or how to carry it out, but only seeks after the work of the flesh, then this person is leading a wretched and mistaken life. We must all realise that preaching the gospel of the water and the spirit is the work of the spirit and seek after this spiritual work. When we meet someone we pray, Lord, please save this soul. In reality, God has already blotted out all the sins of this soul also. However, we must still preach the gospel to the person so that he may now realise this fact and believe in it. We must thereby lead him to his salvation. Preaching the gospel of the water and the spirit is not something that just anyone can do. This work is something that can be done only by those who have been redeemed first by believing in the gospel of the water and the spirit and this is none other than the work of the spirit. It is when we preach the gospel of truth proclaiming that God has saved everyone from sin by blotting out the sins of all the people in this world that souls can reach their salvation by hearing this truth and believing in it with their hearts. Therefore, depending on what kind of work we do, people can either be saved or remain unable to be saved. We have been saved through the gospel of the water and the spirit. However, it's critically important what kind of work we the saved people do. 
all of us must understand fully what kind of work we must do to carry out the work of the Spirit. That's because unless we know what the work of the Spirit is, we cannot carry it out. What is the work of the Spirit? It is to preach the gospel to people, believing these souls will be saved when we preach the gospel. Each one of us must also discern and carry out the work of the Spirit individually, but this is something that's very difficult to do. In other words, it's not so easy to carry out the work of the Spirit, which requires us to preach the Gospel, remembering that this is what God really wants from us. Although this work is not so easy, at the same time, however, it is also simple. If we go where the work of the flesh abounds, we are bound to do the work of the flesh. But if we go to where the work of the Spirit is carried out, we are bound to do the work of the Spirit. If we abide in God's church that carries out the work of the Spirit and share fellowship with the righteous, then we will automatically come to do the work of the Spirit. Yet despite this, we still sometimes do something else entirely off the mark instead of carrying out the work of the Spirit. We must therefore realise clearly what the work of the Spirit is and what the work of the flesh is. We are here to serve the work that God has already done. We must offer ourselves to the work of spreading the gospel, but the problem is that sometimes we don't realise this duty. God told Noah to build the ark when he turned 500 years old, and Noah completed this ark at the age of 600. When the ark was ready, God said to Noah, You and your family must now go into the ark, and you shall take with you seven pairs of clean animals and two pairs of unclean animals, male and female. Why did God command Noah to put in two pairs of unclean animals and seven pairs of clean animals? That's because, while the clean animals had to be preserved completely and flourish once the flood was over, the unclean animals only had to remain in existence. In contrast, the clean animals had to thrive and be perfect. That's why God specified seven pairs of male and female. As you may well know, the number seven in the Bible denotes God and perfection, while the number six implies man and imperfection. Look at what God has done for us, the work of our salvation. He has blotted out all our sins perfectly. God's church, which preaches the gospel of the water and the spirit, is perfect in carrying out God's work. Just as Noah had carried out his spiritual work to perfection for a hundred years, we can do it also. For Noah to build the ark and for us to preach the gospel of the water and the spirit to people, both are the same spiritual work. We must be more devoted to the work of the spirit. Even though we do both the work of the Spirit and the work of the flesh, we must be more devoted to the work of the Spirit. We all do the work of the flesh by nature, even without anyone telling us. 
unclean animals can survive and multiply with just two pairs put in the ark. However, clean animals are weak, and so if only two pairs of male and female are put in, the species may not be preserved. That is why God told Noah to take into the ark seven pairs of clean animals to preserve their perfection. We must believe in this work that God has done for us perfectly, and with this faith we must carry out the work of the Spirit. In other words, even though we the born again still retain our flesh, because we also have the Spirit with us, we must do God's work. That's why the Apostle Paul said that treasure was put in a clay vessel, as it is written, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 This means that even though the born again are weak and insufficient in their flesh, they still have the Holy Spirit inside them. We must think of the work of the Spirit, ruminate on how God has saved us humans and carry out his work. It is precisely for this mission that we have been called. We must all preach the gospel of the water and the Spirit to people and do the work of the Spirit that enables all those who believe in this truth to reach their salvation. What does it mean to do the work of the gospel? Doing the work of the gospel literally means carrying out the work of the Spirit. It is not just some kind of lesson teaching us to be morally upright. When we preach to souls how God has perfectly saved the entire human race and people are saved as a result, we have to then nurture them to stand even more firmly on the gospel and prevent false prophets from leading them to death again. None other than this is the work of the Spirit. In short, it is God's work to preach the gospel of the water and the Spirit and defend this gospel. Hence, we must fight and defeat false prophets, defend the gospel from their deception, and no matter how large their number is, never compromise with them. Uniting ourselves with God's church, we must always preach the gospel day and night, and whatever we do, we must do everything for the gospel. Those who are ignorant of the gospel of the water and the spirit just say that we should believe in Jesus and lead a godly life. However, the more one tries to lead a holy life, the more one discovers that they are incapable of this. It is when people live for the gospel of the water and the spirit that they can lead a holy life. All the ministers born again of water and the spirit must always preach the gospel of the water and the spirit whenever they preach. Preaching the gospel of the water and the spirit is only possible when the preacher keeps this gospel in his heart. In contrast, those who fail to keep the gospel of the water and the Spirit in their hearts can never preach this gospel in their sermons. They only preach to their followers about living a virtuous life, becoming rich by believing in Jesus and getting healed from their illnesses by his name. But this is the very work of the flesh. 
Such false preachers may become wealthy in their flesh and be honoured by the people of the world, but they are doing just a carnal work that has absolutely nothing to do with God's work. Even among the born again, many have betrayed the gospel and gone astray, but we have defended the gospel despite suffering many losses and persecution for it, and that is why we are still preaching this gospel now. A minister who is truly carrying out God's work is someone who preaches the gospel of the water and the spirit. Since preaching the gospel of the water and the spirit means defending the gospel by faith, even when such people of faith preach this gospel all the time in their sermons, they never get tired of it but still preach it forcefully. A sermon that proclaims the genuine gospel is the most spiritual sermon and at the same time it is also the most difficult sermon. If one fails to keep his heart spiritually pure and rather follows his carnal desires, he can never preach the gospel of the water and the spirit. For such people, the most difficult sermon to give is the true gospel sermon. Workers of the true gospel are extremely rare throughout the world. Throughout the whole wide world, there are only extremely few people preaching that Jesus has blotted out everyone's sins thoroughly with the gospel of the water and the spirit. When we first began to spread this gospel of truth all over the world through our literature ministry, our workers in charge of internet ministry made an extensive use of search engines to see if there was anyone serving the gospel of the water and the spirit like us by any chance. But nowhere was anyone preaching the gospel of the water and the spirit. Even now, although there are many people preaching, because Jesus has blotted out all our sins, we have become righteous people without sin, it is not the gospel of the water and the spirit that they are preaching. They only preach that Jesus took away all our sins on the cross and since this is the extent of their knowledge, they are unable to preach anywhere beyond that. Even though they know the final answer, that one is made sinless if he believes in Jesus properly, they do not know the exact process through which Jesus has blotted out all their sins, but only his blood on the cross. That is precisely why no one has ever received the remission of their sins by listening to their sermons. And that is why we, as those who have been truly born again, must preach and defend the gospel of the water and the spirit, even if our lives are put at risk. This is the reason why our ministers give their full attention to the proclamation of the gospel of the water and the spirit, and all our brothers and sisters are also living for this gospel and pooling our strength together, we are all spreading the gospel of the water and the spirit throughout the whole wide world. We must let the true gospel be known to all those who are being deceived by false gospels. But what about you? Are you able to discern the true gospel from false ones?
Even when we searched through the whole Christian community all over the world, there was no one preaching the gospel of the water and the spirit like us. Every preacher only speaks of the blood of the cross. But is anyone saved through the blood of the cross alone? No, no one can reach salvation in that way. Even among famous theologians, there is no one saved. Nor were the founders of different theological schools saved. Only those who have been born again by believing in the gospel of the water and the spirit are sinless and only they can confess to God with a clear conscience that they have no sin. Therefore it is we as those born again through the gospel of the water and the spirit who must preach this gospel of truth. We must serve the Lord uniting our hearts with our ministers. When we preach the gospel, it's quite possible for some people not to accept it. There is no need to preach the gospel to them against their will. If they have difficulty understanding this gospel, all that we need to do is just explain the word of God to them slowly, step by step, first telling them about sin and then about the law and God's judgment so that they would be able to see their fundamentally evil selves and accept this gospel. Once they clearly recognise that they are destined to hell, it's after this that we should preach the gospel. If they still stand against this gospel, even after understanding its entire message, then you should simply stop preaching it to them. We should look for those who are willing to accept this gospel, lead them to reach their salvation and nurture them carefully as we nurture our own children. If we really do a good job at preaching the gospel of the water and the spirit to people in detail, then it's guaranteed to yield more people who believe in this gospel with the heart. Whoever believes in this gospel wholeheartedly, rather than accepting it just as a matter of knowledge, will surely be made sinless by the Holy Spirit. Anyone who believes in the gospel of the water and the spirit with his heart has no sin. Just as powerful dynamite can wipe out an entire building with its explosion, if one would just hear and believe in the gospel word of the water and the spirit, he will be made perfectly sinless. That's why the Apostle Paul declared, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. The word power here is dunamis in Greek and it's from this word that the English word dynamite is derived. Put differently, this gospel of the water and the spirit has a tremendous explosive power that can wipe out all the sins in anyone's heart once and for all. So, all that we have to do is just preach this truth. Because this gospel is the true gospel, if only one would hear and believe in it, their hearts will be made sinless. However, by hearing the gospel word just once, few can actually receive the remission of sins.
Everyone has his own thoughts and biases and so most people don't surrender to the word of God so easily. Hence, we have to keep preaching the gospel repeatedly and those who hear us must cast aside their own thoughts if they really want to be born again. They will also then eventually come to believe. Within the next few years, God will spread the gospel of the water and the spirit throughout the whole wide world. If the born again carry out the work of the gospel as commanded by God, he will make sure that nothing stands in their way. It's only after the gospel of the water and the spirit is fully preached to every corner in this world that natural disasters will unfold and war will be waged on a global scale. Even war can break out only under God's permission. The Bible says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1 Even if a reservoir is full of water, its floodgate is opened by its operator only. Likewise, God alone rules over all the hearts of the kings of this world. When God stirs the heart of each nation's ruler to declare war, the whole world will be swept away by war. But before the gospel is fully spread, God will put fear in each ruler's heart and prevent him from waging war. In other words, no matter who rules over what nation, God rules over everyone's heart and he rules over even the hearts of those who stand against the gospel. Therefore, this world will never end unless God allows it. The Bible says that even a sparrow does not fall to the ground unless permitted by God. Matthew chapter 10 verse 29 Everything, in other words, happens only under God's permission. Throughout the world, there are many co-workers who have received the remission of their sins through our literature ministry. They must stay away from pastors or missionaries who have not been truly born again, and they must always gather together to have meetings and worship services with their fellow born-again people and preach the gospel of the water and the spirit every single day. They will then be able to defend their faith and many souls will come to be saved. God will raise leaders wherever his church is founded. When those appointed to leadership in each branch church unite with the head church that was established first, then God will give them strength. Our co-workers must hold meetings, administer worship services, preach the word and bear witness whenever they have time. I admonish you to persevere through impatience and carry out the work of the gospel waiting for the day of the Lord and never pass around collection plates during the worship service. If someone wants to give offerings he should be allowed to give when and how much he wants to give. So instead of passing around collection plates, place an offertory box at the entrance of your church and have two people manage it. Do you realise that what I am saying is of God's word?
If this gospel of the water and the spirit that I have been preaching is indeed the true gospel, then you must also trust in my words that are preached based on the word of God. I am not saying here that all my arguments are unconditionally correct. Rather, when looked at based on the word of God, this gospel of the water and the spirit is the truth, and that is why it is only correct for all of us to serve the gospel. And what is propounded according to the word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is right. It's when people believe in the gospel truth of the water and the spirit that they can truly receive the remission of their sins. That is why I am telling you that you must believe in this gospel of the water and the spirit. Noah also did the work of the spirit. You have both the spirit and the flesh. Noah also had both the flesh and the spirit. Just because someone is a man of God, this does not mean that he would always be doing the work of the spirit. Every saint does both types of works because even a born-again person still retains the flesh despite having received the Holy Spirit. Yet Noah still carried out the work of the Spirit. What you must be careful of, however, is that you should never disparage your leaders for doing the work of the flesh. Noah carried out the work of God wholeheartedly for a hundred years and when he came out of the ark after the flood he planted a vineyard in the new world. There then came a time when Noah got drunk on the wine made from the vine. Seeing this Ham spoke ill of Noah's blemish of the flesh and because of this Ham was cursed. It's possible for even God's servants to have carnal blemishes and our brothers and sisters must not criticise them for this. The Bible writes that it was a great mistake for Ham to make an issue out of Noah's fleshly aspects. Even though Noah may have been insufficient in his flesh, he was still a man who carried out God's work throughout his entire lifetime. In other words, no matter what anyone might say, Noah carried out the work of the Spirit. He had built the ark and told everyone else to come into it. It's because people did not listen to Noah's words and refused to come into the ark that they were not saved. Everyone who believed in Noah's words and came into the ark was able to be delivered from God's judgment. Noah was a man who had carried out the work of the Spirit. When we examine Noah's walk carefully, we can find out clearly what kind of work God has entrusted to us. And we can also find out how we should carry out the work of the Spirit. Noah was also saved by God's grace. The Bible says that the water covered the earth for 150 days, Genesis chapter 7 verse 24. This means that the world was submerged under water for five months. Since the whole planet was covered under water for 150 days, no life form that required air to breathe could survive. The same will happen in the end times. 
Everyone who does not believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit will be suffocated by his sins and eventually be cast into hell. Only those who come into the ark will be saved. So in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21 it is written, There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism. In the Old Testament's time, God had judged with water those who did not believe in his word but saved those who believed in his word. In the age of the New Testament, Jesus has saved us by being baptised and thus taking upon all our sins. That's why the antitype that saves us is the baptism of Jesus. If you live thoughtlessly, you are bound to do only the work of the flesh. That's why we must do the work of the Spirit out of our own volition. Let's consider here how rooms were made in the ark. God's church clearly and decisively divides the saved from the unsaved. God's church is a church that bestows mercy on everyone. For anyone to come into God's church holy, he must first be saved by believing in the gospel of the water and the spirit. Even though unclean animals had also come into the ark along with clean animals, they were not mixed together. Rooms were made and different animals were put in different rooms according to each species, from cattle to rabbits and sheep, all put in different rooms and only with the same species. So even today, no matter who may come into God's church, anyone who is not saved cannot mix with the righteous, for they are still sinners. God divides the saved from the unsaved, putting the saved people with the other saved people and the unsaved people with the other unsaved people. Do you think that the Bible is taught in seminaries? No, that's not actually the case. Our mission school is probably the only place where the Bible is read, lectures are given based on the scriptures and different issues are clearly debated. Even Christian theologians did not get their degrees by researching and explaining what the Bible is actually saying. They received their doctoral degrees by writing dissertations on certain issues related to Christianity, all according to their own thoughts. All these things came out of their own heads, not the word of God. As the Christian leaders of this age have not been born again, they all interpret the Bible according to their own notions and desires. Let's take an example here. It's written in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 to 11. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. The core message of this passage is that everything belongs to the Lord God. That's why God had made the people of Israel offer a tenth of their harvest to his temple. 
God had appointed the tribe of Levi to priesthood, but there were eleven more tribes apart from the Levites. Unless the eleven tribes offered the tithes of their harvest, the Levites, who were priests, could not keep their livelihood. That's because priests had no other job. So the Levites lived on the tithes offered by the other tribes. That's why offering a tenth of their harvest was serving God. And by this institution, all things work together for good. God was saying, priests should have no other job but carry out my work and serve me full time. That's why you should offer a tenth of your harvests. While it is the priests who will live on this tenth, I will consider you to be serving myself and I will bless you. That is the original biblical meaning of the tithe, but now in this age many Christians are abusing it. They are using it only literally. They say that if one offers a tenth of his income he will become rich. They teach that everything will be okay if only one would offer a tenth of his income, even if they have not received the remission of their sins. This, however, is not actually true. Those who carry out God's work do not just give a tenth of their income. Because their everything was given by God, those who have received the remission of their sins live entirely for God. Offering just a tenth is very small. God feeds all those who live for him, clothes them and meets all their needs. In other words, if you work entirely for God, he will fill all your needs in abundance. Since we have received everything from God, it's only a matter of course that we should serve him wholeheartedly. And to those who truly serve the Lord with all their hearts, God will give them even more so that they may serve him more. In other words, to those who serve him more, God will give them even more. My conscience is clear before God, especially when it comes to the financial management of our mission organisation. Spreading the gospel throughout the whole world requires a lot of financial resources. That's why I spend all the offerings dedicated to God to proclaim the gospel of the water and the spirit. Our saints also know very well that all their contributions are used for the gospel and so they give offerings without any concern. We should never spend their offerings on just anything. Every offering must be spent on where it's absolutely needed. No minister should ever pile up money for himself. Yet despite this, some ministers think that whatever money they make is theirs. That is not right. Every penny that comes into God's church must be unconditionally spent to serve the gospel of the water and the spirit. We can still prosper even when we offer our everything. If we live for the Lord, we will live in abundance. But if we do not live for the Lord, we will live in poverty. God knows all about our hearts and acts. Those who live for themselves will perish away. But God helps the spiritual people who carry out his work faithfully. The ministry workers in God's church are fundamentally different from the pastors in worldly churches. Whatever they do, they are all distinct. 
In the days to come, we will spend even more financial resources to save just one more soul, which is still more precious than everything under the heavens. Even though we are making so much investments throughout the world, God's church is still filled with prosperity. That is how God's church is supposed to be. We must serve the gospel with all our hearts. All our bodies, hearts and possessions must be offered to the Lord. This is our faith. We must have big vessels of faith. God says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Although the fruit that we seek by faith may not be seen with our eyes right now, we will be able to see it eventually. While we pray for this fruit when it is not seen, God will make it visible to our sight in his time. For the born again, it is only right to carry out God's work. This is the proper life of the born again and it is when we thus carry out God's work that we can enjoy all his blessings.